Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome, everybody, back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and as always, I have my co-host, Matt, here with me. The first preseason game of the 2023 NFL season is in the books. The Jets and Browns in the Hall of Fame game, inducting some major, major players of this 2023 Hall of Fame class. None bigger than the two Jets that went in and are going in over this weekend, Darrell Revis and Joe Klecko. Very excited for them. Not as excited for the Jets starting off the year with a loss, 21-16 to uh, to the Cleveland Browns after leading in the game for most of the night late fourth quarter heroics from dorian thompson robinson and the browns unfortunately had the jets on the other end of uh some heroic end game miraculousness like we saw in cleveland at the start of the season last year matt i want to toss things off to you obviously it's the preseason there's a lot of guys that were playing last night that aren't going to see the field or even make the 53-man roster for that matter uh, come the regular season, but there are things to take away. We saw a good bit of action from the rookies in this 2023 class for the first time. We saw some reserve guys that we've been waiting to see. We saw Makai Becton for the first time in two plus years. Well, you know, what were your takeaways? Let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Just general of what you thought from this offense in, in a very vanilla, very limited, very uh, controlled environment in the Hall of Fame game in preseason week one. Uh, you know, what? I'm going to start with the good. Let's start with the good. Uh, so first is Becton. Uh, he, like you said, he hasn't played in two years, uh, injured the same knee twice in a row. Uh, so it was kind of, uh, it was very nerve wracking to see what we're going to get because nobody's seen it in so long. Uh, so it was pretty much anybody's guess as to what we were going to see. Um, and he kind of showed up. He, he did what he, what, kind of what I expected him to do. Like he didn't like amaze me in what he, he didn't. Uh, he wasn't such a dominating force on the field where I was like, oh, wow, he's back. He's going to take off right from where he left off. He's going to be an all-pro all in no time. But it was more along the lines of, all right, he's he's doing his job, and I can see him you know, taking these steps to, to get to where we need him to be. 
Um, and all the while, I mean, it was only a small sample size. It was only, I think, eight snaps total. I think it was four running plays and four uh, uh, pass blocking plays. Um, so it wasn't a lot. It was a very small sample size altogether. Uh, but at the same time, it he did a lot of things that I wanted to see him do. I wanted to see how he would handle uh, an outside move, uh, whether he would uh, be able to handle that, whether it's using his length or his athleticism. Uh, but I saw that. I saw one play where he lo- it looked like he uh, kind of uh, lost the, the snap at first, uh, and he kind of had to play catch-up a little bit. But he did. He used his length and those long strides, uh, and he got even with the, the, the pass rusher uh, pretty quickly and, and kind of rode him up the arc. Uh, I saw a outside uh, zone run, and I saw him get to a reach block, uh, which was uh, good to see, to see that he can uh, still make it in, in, uh, in an outside zone uh, offense. Um, and uh, I think the, the biggest issue is probably his trust in, in that knee and uh, what that means, and that's usually strength, uh, lower body strength. I feel like he's definitely relying a lot on his upper body strength, uh, and that's kind of hindering him a little bit. Uh, so he's not going to be finishing as many plays. He's not going to be uh, as uh, uh, dominating as, as we'd hoped. Uh, so hopefully that comes soon. Um, sorry, I just went a lot into Beckton, and, I, I, and I, there's a whole, so many more. Uh, then there's Tipman. Uh, I'll, I'll go through Tipman a little bit quicker. Uh, there's a lot of uh, people kind of thinking that Tipman was uh, the wrong choice uh, and that uh, we should have gotten somebody that's more prepared uh, and that Tipman is not going to show up at all this year. And you know what? He played very well. He played the entire game, I believe. Uh, and I don't think he did anything worth, you know, like dragging him for. And I think he did an admirable job for for uh, what uh people were saying so uh, hats off to him uh then you have izzy uh who scored our, our, t- our first touchdown uh showing off his speed i uh, i think they sat uh carter and bam uh because they they know what they have in them uh and really it was just a, a show out for all the guys that they had questions uh, uh for uh and that means izzy of course and everybody else and i think izzy definitely uh really showed up at the to show us exactly what he can do with his speed, uh, how he can take advantage of situations, even if the offensive line uh, isn't really doing you know, so great. Uh, and they weren't doing so great for a, a large part of the game. Um, all right, let's go to the bad now. The bad, I would say, uh, our quarterback situation outside of maybe Zach and, and Rodgers. Um, while hopefully that's not an issue in the regular season, uh, I think that's kind of uh, it's it's not looking great for uh, the guys that are trying to you know get roster spots now uh, with these this, this poor showing at, at quarterback like how are, how are any wide receivers uh, playing with them supposed to really show anything with Strevler who's got the arm strength of my ten month old that I don't see how that benefits them at all uh, so I'm hoping that maybe. They kind of, you know, move away from Strev and kind of bring in somebody else uh, to to be a a, a, a a maybe that third or fourth uh, quarterback that we can rely on, and also just get a better idea of, of who we have. Um, and you know what? I I think 
outside of that, there wasn't anything that was glaringly horrible. I think it was uh, a decent showing all around. Uh, I, I could knock the the third and fourth team offensive line for being pretty horrible, but you know what? It I, I'm not. I wasn't expecting a lot of them, so I, I can't be upset about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I pretty much agree with everything that you laid out there. Um, I'm going to start the same place you did with Mekhi Becton. Um, because in an, in a preseason game like this, first preseason game of the year, the earliest game of the year in an unusual environment and what's basically a high school field uh, in the field attached next to the Hall of Fame up in uh, Canton, Ohio, you know, it's really hard to to find actual real repable moments from this game that you're going to see that are going to translate to the NFL on actual Sundays in the regular season. The schemes are very, very basic. The teams are going out of their way to you know protect their players unless you're outside of the end of the game roster, you know, trying to make a roster, trying to make a practice squad. Guys, guys are are playing hard, of course, but they may maybe not be playing with the same intensity that they would in a normal game, knowing it's the preseason. There's only so much that you can take away from this game. And I'm not going to spend all my time here sitting here dissecting the eight snaps we saw Adam McKay back then. <laughs> For those eight snaps was a solid outing. Did not do anything glaringly terrible. Did not do anything, in my opinion, glaringly impressive, really, either. The biggest takeaway I have with Mackay Becton, and Matt, we discussed this a little bit off air. I'm really, really frustrated with him for pulling himself out of this game. And he said himself after the game that he pulled himself out. This was not a coach's decision. So anyone going, oh, you know, Becton only played so little because he was on a pitch count. Yeah, he was going to be on a pitch count. He pulled himself before he got to that pitch count. He started feeling uncomfortable. He said, you know, this field, this turf, it, it, it didn't quite fit me for a guy my size. You know, it was kind of hard and I, and I didn't really feel comfortable in my knees. So I decided to take it easy. I understand that. And for his own health and future and safety and career, having not played an actual game in almost two full calendar years, I get it. I'm not going to sit here and argue with the, with the decision if Makai Becton himself is genuinely going, okay, this feels off. This feels like how it did the last time I re-injured something. I don't want to push it this time. I totally understand that. My concern is that two days ago, he said he's treating this like it's regular season week one. My concern is that two days ago, it was, I can't wait to get back out playing. This is all I've wanted. It's been two years I haven't played. I want to play. I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm excited to go out and, and compete and win a starting job. And, and we, we even heard him say for the first time ever, really, I don't care where it is. I just want to play. You know, I don't care if it's right side, left side. I just want to be out there and do what I can and get on the field. And he finally gets back on the field. And it did not take long for him to be ready to take himself off of it. And it's really it's concerning for me for a lot of ways, because like I said, I'm not going to fault him if he was genuinely feeling uncomfortable and his knee was starting to give him issues or stability or uncomfortability or pain or whatever it was that was giving him pause and made him want to remove himself from that game. But if that's the case, then there's no way that we can expect this guy to be playing in the regular season. If that's the case, then then this competition of is he going to be a starting tackle? We're wasting our time trying to see if that's the case, because he's never going to be able to get himself through working through an actual season, let alone an act, a full game, if he can't get through more than two drives. And if he's just being overly cautious and 
he might have felt a little weird or it's a mental thing like you discussed, Matt, where it's getting the mental confidence back and trusting in his body and trusting in that need to hold up and he's pulling himself out, then that's an even bigger problem, in my opinion. Because first and foremost, Matt, and you can attest to this because we saw it with Zach Wilson, you know, a handful of times when you are playing and you don't have that confidence in your body, but you're still trying to play. That's when you get injured worse. That's when the worst injuries happen because you're not natural. You plant awkwardly. You you move in a way you wouldn't. You stop short. You tense up. Any of the different reasons that could could go wrong than just being a natural athlete and playing off muscle memory and ability and no fear of that injury. That's when injuries happen at a higher rate. If that's how Makai Becton is still playing right now, then there's a long way to go before he can get into an actual game and be trusted to make it through without re-injuring something, even if structurally his knee can handle it. That's a huge problem. And on top of that, if you want to be a starting tackle in the NFL, you're going to get banged up. You're going to have injuries. And some of them you have to come out for, but a lot of them you're going to have to play through. Look at 38, 39-year-old Dwayne Brown, who basically had no rotator cuff and played almost all of last year. That's the NFL. That's what being a starting tackle is. Carter Warren, Fourth round pick of the Jets this season had a knee injury uh, it, later than Beckton's. Beckton's was in the summer. Carter Warren played into October this past season before suffering his injury. Played most of the game when Beckton wasn't in. Dewan Jones, a man Beckton's size, Browns fourth round pick, played the entire game at right tackle for the Cleveland Browns on the same field, on the same turf. Granted, he's not coming back from an injury, but just looking at purely. The as Becton said himself, for a guy my size, for someone my size, this turf wasn't right. Well, Dewan Jones played the whole game; it was fine. The, the excuses for me, Matt, are are, are piling up, and, and it's just I, I don't know how you can have the mentality to say all I want to do is play. This is a regular season game in my mind. I don't care that it's preseason. I want to go out there and show my talents and go to my best ability. And the coaches are already doing what they can to protect you and planning to have you on a pitch count. And you don't even make it to double digit snaps before you pull yourself out. This competition's over for me. I don't want Makai Beckton anywhere near this tackle competition. This is his knee is not ready to handle it. And if it's either the mentality with his knee or physically with his knee, it doesn't matter. Because if you can't go through more than 10 snaps, you can't even get to 10 snaps in a preseason game when you've supposedly been fully cleared for contact and action and everything for months now then how do, could you ever possibly expect to be a starting tackle in the NFL come week one when the Buffalo Bills are going to be coming to town? When six foot seven, 270-pound Greg Rousseau is screaming at you off the end, what are you going to do? How are you going to handle that if you can't even get through eight snaps of a preseason game in preseason week one when you should have all the motivation in the world to go out and show what you can do? This really bothered me. I, I'm, I'm sorry, and I don't want to get this negative and, and draw more attention to a situation that that I think has already had plenty of attention drawn to it. But, but I really can't understand from Mekhi Becton's thought process. In what way, in what way does doing this, unless, like I said, you are 110% truthful in saying there's a risk to my health and my knee if I keep playing and I need to come out right now to not re-injure myself. If that's the case, you still shouldn't be playing because your knee's not healthy. If that's not the case, then how is this supposed to help you win a tackle job? All right, if I may, I'm yeah, going to look counter, at it. Can contradict me, please, because I feel like I'm 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 way out on a deep end with this one. I think there's 
there's a couple things that play. Yeah, I think he was excited for this game to be his first re-entry into the NFL world. Um, and he was excited about it. He's all hyped about it, as he should be, and as he definitely probably was, genuinely. Um, so I'm not going to get on him for that. But you know what? When <laughs> when you're a new father, I feel like that is also playing into this a little bit. How there's so much writing on this season and his knee, and he is so hyper-aware every little thing that probably goes on in that knee after two years being gone, any little twitch, any little, if he falls on it weird, is, is he going to, how, how is, is this normal? Is, how, is, I don't know if this is good or not. And every little thing that's going to be weighing on him. And yeah, it's not the mentality that you need to have in order to, to survive in this league. Because if, yeah, if you're playing scared, you're more likely to get injured. I completely agree with that. Um, but, I don't think it's so much of a contradiction because when you're in that moment, when you feel that your entire career is on the line, I think things change very quickly in ways that we probably can't even conceive. Uh, And then you have just on top of it. Yeah. It's the, it's the hall of fame game. All right. Sure. It's his first game back. And our first game overall, but it is still the Hall of Fame game. If this happens later in the preseason, I am definitely a lot more concerned. Um, I even think that this, I mean, not to like go too far into the excuse, oh, it's the field's fault. Uh, But I mean, I think that maybe he had it in his mind also because he's definitely mentioned it. So he definitely knew about it. For the record, it's not a good field. Like, I don't not, want anyone like, to sit here and think that I'm making this field out to be perfect. And they saying, they oh, well, all these the other guys played fine. The, they once canceled a Hall of Fame game there because the field was that bad. Yeah, the lights so, shut out at, at that time and, and delayed the game for, for X amount of time. Like, don't get me wrong. This facility, I, I saw something that after the game, the showers weren't working in either locker room. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not trying to sit here and act like this Hall of Fame game stadium is is incredible and that Mekhi Becton was making a mountain out of a molehill. I'm not trying to say that at all. All I'm trying to point out is the fact that there was another player and other players on his own team that had injury concerns and of the same size concerns that played pretty much close to the whole game. But at the same time, they're not they're still not the same situation. Like you said, uh, Dewan wasn't injured. He doesn't have to worry about his knee. He's not thinking about his knee constantly. Then you said Carter Jones. He's a rookie. He's got time. Becton doesn't have time. He doesn't have the luxuries that a lot of these other players have. So I understand it from that point of view, how things can change very quickly uh, from being so gung-ho and, uh, and very anxious to get out there to, you know what, taking a beat. And you know what, let's just make sure this is good because, you know what, I have a lot riding on this. No, and I get all of that. I, I honestly do. And you're right in saying that it is the Hall of Fame game. It is preseason week one. And if there is a time when you're not fully sure to to do this and have it be somewhat acceptable, it would be this game. So I get that. But to again, I don't want to spend too long on this. I want to move on in a second. But but I like this this not quite disagreement, but counterpoints that we have here as we're working through this because it's such a complicated situation. But you said it. He doesn't have time. His, this is it. 
Makai, this is it for your opportunity on the Jets. It's either win a starting tackle job or you'll be on another team next year. Like it's, and you might still be on another team if even if you win a starting tackle job. If you don't go out and perform and give the team confidence that not only can you play up to the ability of being the 11th overall pick in the draft, but you can stay healthy and that you can be relied upon to be physically in the lineup. Pulling yourself after eight snaps, like I said, and we'll never know exactly the extent of what he was feeling. But pulling yourself after eight snaps when it seems like physically you might have been able to push through it, that to me is is what time do you have to be doing that? I get it's the Hall of Fame game. I get it's preseason week one, but this is what the coaches want to see out of you. This is what everybody's been wanting to see out of you. This is what has been your negative for so long is everyone knows you have all the God-given talent on, in the world that physically there's nothing you can't do and you can be as good as you decide to be yourself with hard work, dedication, and effort. And then this injury is something you can't control. And that sucks. And that ruins a lot of guys' careers, and it's horrible. And I hope Mekhi Becton isn't another story in that long line list of players that that has happened to. But being scared is never going to get him over that hump. And it's almost like the fear of getting injured is almost just as bad as him being injured if he's going to pull himself anyway. And so I'm, as much as I understand, and the aspect you made about him being a new father as well, and having his plan for let alone securing his future and his career and his money to raise his kid, but also have a life afterwards and be there for his, his child and any other children he has in the future, all the more power to him. But if that's on your mind right now, Makai, if that's what you're worried about after eight snaps, then maybe you need to focus on something else. Then, then maybe this is, maybe this is it. Maybe this was it. Maybe this isn't, you, you can't come back. Maybe it's not possible. And I hope that isn't the case. But, but man, that just, I'll be honest, Matt, it, it shocked me that he pulled himself. I thought the coaches pulled him. I really did. I thought the coaches pulled him. I thought the coaches saw him getting a little winded. I thought the coaches saw him getting a little worked up. And I thought they said, okay, let's not push anything. You know, we were going to be on a snap count. He went out there. You know, we saw what we needed to see. He's okay. We'll see more in camp. Pull him back. I, I couldn't believe that he pulled himself. And, and I bet Robert Sala couldn't believe he pulled himself either. I, I don't know about that because Sala's kind of, this is my I'll, I'll, final quick thought on this, uh, is that I think Sala's kind of seen this the entire time. His not uh, having the trust in his knee and not having the the mental, uh, you know, uh, confidence to to really uh, be where he needs to be. He said it before, even before the, this game. I think one of the first practices. Um, so I feel like Sala is knows exactly what he's going through. Um, but I mean, you're right. I mean, this is something that he either needs to get over or it's it's going to be over. Uh, and yeah, time is running out. And but I, on the bright side, I think now he ha actually has an idea of what his knee is going to be going forward. Uh, I, I think in his press conference, he's like, you know what? I just have to get used to that. This is like my knee's never going to feel the exact same as it did before, uh, and I just need to be okay with that. Uh, I, he didn't say it exactly like that, but I, that's what I took from it. Um, so you know what? I think that's kind of, you know, this is the line. Like, all right, he knows this now. He knows that there is no uh, going back. It's This is what it is. So it's either go forward or that's it. 
So I'm hoping that the only thing forward is the way he approaches everything and just go through it. Yeah, I hope so too. I really hope I'm wrong. I'm, I really hope this is, there's a lot of things that I say on this show that I believe that I hope I'm right about and we come and see one way or the other. I really hope I'm wrong here. I really hope that this was, he just had something feel wrong and got concerned and didn't want to go too hard. And, and he's going to get over that, like you said, and get used to his knee feeling a different way and get that confidence and come back and play his butt off. And whether he wins the tackle job or doesn't, at least he tried. At least he was there. At least he put in an effort. I, I really hope that's what ends up happening. But this, this concerns me a lot. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say that it didn't. Um, uh, it's just the way it is. No, so moving from one uh, highly drafted jet, fighting for their career to another another guy I don't want to spend too much time on because he only threw five passes all night. But Zach Wilson got the yes. start on his birthday. Uh, happy birthday, Zach, uh, a couple of days ago. Happy belated. Hoped he had a good game. I thought all things considered, again, only throwing five passes in preseason week one against a vanilla defense. You know, it's hard to make that many snap judgments. But it, above all else, Matt, and I want to get your opinion here, too. I just thought he looked so much more controlled and in sync and less erratic, less, less panicked, less. I, I don't quite know the word uh, that perfectly describes it, but he seemed, you know, he would go through his drop. He'd get to the top of his drop and I would see him standing tall. He'd have his feet in the ground. They'd be light, but he'd be on his feet. He wouldn't be looking to immediately run his. He weren't, you know, getting the happy feet tap dancing, going crazy. You know, he was able to stay controlled. I saw him go through his reads. I saw him setting protections, which is not something I've ever seen Zach Wilson do in the pros. And we saw it in preseason week one. I saw him ID a mic and shift the line to the right and pick up a, a, a blitz off the slot. And he did perfectly fine on, you know, picked it up just fine. Gave him time to make a completion to, I believe it was Yaboa on second down, gets it out to the right for a couple of yards. I saw a little bit of growth. Obviously, he had the deep ball to Malik Taylor down the left sideline, backed up in the end zone. Apparently, uh, an Aaron Rodgers play call with him on the headset <laughs> uh, suggestion for that. But, you know, there was there was some positives. There was some growth here. I'm excited to see more of him because it's really, really hard to make that much judgment off of five passes. But yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't see the deer in the headlights that I used to see out of Zach Wilson. And I think that's a plus of anything else. Uh, I don't know who said this, uh, so I apologize if I'm not giving you credit. But somebody said that this was maybe his first uh, nine route that he hit on from inside the pocket. Uh, I don't know the, how true that is, but you know what? I can't think of another time of, of him actually doing that. Yeah. So you know what? The fact that he was able to do that and not... I, I feel like, yeah, it's a sense of comfort. Because I feel like he only felt comfort making the big plays when on the move. So the fact that he was able to you know, slow things down and hit that from inside the pocket and you said that you know he didn't look like a deer in headlights uh he, he didn't really have the the happy feet um that yeah it, it's it's definitely growth uh i would like you said not put too much into it uh but at the same time baby step uh if he can take this year to to keep piling on those baby steps then who knows maybe by next year he's he's even looking like somebody that could be a full-time starter even if Rogers stays another year, like just having the comfort of knowing, you know what, we have some somebody right here that's still on the roster that can possibly come back, make that comeback, and be the guy that we hoped he was coming out. Uh, I mean, it's it's so early to even be thinking that like that, but at the same time, uh, any kind of growth 
you know, has you kind of looking at things a little bit rosier, you know? Uh, so I, I could see it. Uh, I will not put any eggs in that basket, but at the same time, that would be amazing for us, the fans, for the team. Uh, and, you know, just going forward for maybe a post Rogers uh, era. Uh, so, you know what? And I, 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 without getting, you know, too flowery about something that's not even realistic or real right now. Uh, that, that, that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah. For all that can be taken away from a, a less than perfect five pass total preseason week one performance, that's what we could have hoped for. And, and that's what we got. So I'm like I said, I'm not going to spend too much time, put too much stock on it. We saw some growth. I I thought just physically he looked more in control. I I thought that he seemed more calm. I I think it's huge that he had that mistake on the first third down where he's rolling out and he's an opportunity to run and pick up the first down and he slips and falls. and, And it's the classic, oh, God, here's Zach Wilson moment. And then the next opportunity to go out, that's when he throws the deep ball down the left sideline and he drills it. So, I, you know, I that's. That's growth for me, and that's all you could hope to see. Last guy I want to talk about on this offense, uh, and I'm going to split this into two because they fall in the same category, rookies. Um, actually, let's split this into three, and we'll make this quick hitters on, on the three rookies that we saw on offense. First and foremost, Joe Tittman. I thought Joe Tittman was the best Jets player on offense last night, like at, at any position. And in and, and what was a all things considered a pretty rough outing for the Jets offense, I thought that Tittman was their best offensive player and still wasn't perfect. You know, for all that things to be considered, I've seen Joe Tittman getting a ton of praise and deservedly so for this game, but I still think there's some areas where he could have been better. First and foremost, an area that he did fantastic in was pass protection. And that was something that we discussed, Matt, that we would have thought it would have been the other way around that coming from Wisconsin, coming from the offense, they ran being maybe a bit better in the run game and being a bit more of a work in progress and pass protection. He was lights out in pass pro was very, very good at uh, picking up power and anchoring, had a good job reading a stunt um, later in the game. I believe it was in the third quarter. Was able to read the end coming around, passed it off the tackle of the guard, picked up the end, no problem. You know, was very aware uh, of what was happening in front of him. In the run game, he did a solid job, had a couple of good plays where he'd get up on people at a really, really nice reach block on uh, Bonaconda's touchdown. Um, getting out in front of that three tech and reaching that sealing that for Izzy to go to the corner and score. But I wanted to see a little bit more finishing power from him. I wanted to see a bit more times when, when he gets a good jump off the snap, he gets in good position, he gets a drive for a yard or two. And that's when then I want to see the, okay, now take over now end the block now finish now take this guy out of the play. And there would be some times where he'd get, he'd get to that point. And instead of finishing, he'd give a little bit more ground or the guy would disengage and be able to get in on the tackle. Little things little things that will come with time for preseason week one for playing most of the game. I I thought it was a really solid outing. I'm excited to see more. I don't think this should catapult him into center one discussion while, while we're on this topic. I think that's a little overzealous. And I think the reason McGovern is the center one right now is because of his experience in protections, IDing blitzes, being able to change plays and get everybody on the same page. And having a guy like Aaron Rodgers that's going to be doing that three or four times a snap. So that's that's a lot to put on a rookie, regardless of how good Joe Tittman plays in the preseason. I, I, he would have, he has to do a lot more work out of side of the cameras before that's going to ever be a discussion. Um, next guy on offense that's a rookie I want to talk about, Abanaconda, had the only Jets touchdown of the night. 
loved the play design. I wanted to highlight this specifically on that touchdown run. The Jets start in uh, a bunch set. They got bunched to the right. They have a Bonaconda. I believe Tim Boyle was in the game at this point. Or no, it might have still been Zach, actually. Um, they have Zach Wilson at quarterback, a Bonaconda to his left. They motion Izzy over to the right side of the field to where they have a four-man um, side with the three bunch receivers on the right and then a Bonaconda in the backfield. Very heavily utilized as a passing set, more than likely. We saw the Browns defense that nobody moved. Everybody was completely static despite Izzy motioning. You didn't see a slot move over. You didn't see any of the linebackers change responsibility or signal. That gave an indication for zone coverage. You see the bunch set to the right, again, drawing that attention. And then they run outside zone weak back to the left. And that's when Tipman gets this reach block on this defensive tackle. They get the bunch guys leading up and picking up on the backside linebackers and safeties. I believe it was Carter Warren at tackle gets a good steal on the defensive end. And then it's just a foot race between Izzy and the corner. And it's okay, Izzy, you got nine yards, go in. And, and it takes until like the half yard line for him to get touched. He's able to get inside the inside, inside the pylon for a touchdown. Love that play call. Love getting Izzy in space. Love the speed. Izzy was the best running back the Jets played last night. It was not even a competition in my eyes. Not even remotely close. Crockett and Die, just not. Uh, that's not it. Sorry. <laughs> Th- those those guys are just not NFL backs. Sorry for anybody listening who are Demaria Crockett or Travis Die fans that I'm upsetting. But but they are not in the same stratosphere as a Bonaconda, and last night proved it for me. Last but not least, um, another down note. A guy that I've said that I wasn't a fan of with this pick, and all I've seen since is just confirming that Zach Koontz doesn't know how what he's doing to play tight end. He is he is such a work in progress. It's it's sad a little bit, and I I want everyone again to to prepare themselves and pump the brakes. And and when this the inevitable what is Joe Douglas doing tweets happening, this guy's not going to make the fifty three man roster. He's not. There's too much talent on this roster for Zach Koontz to be one of the fifty three that stays. Uh, regardless of what position he plays, just looking at it purely from a who is the best football player right now to help us win on this active roster in 2023, that is not Zach Koontz. They had a third down run late in the third quarter, third and three. They're trying to pick up a first down and keep a drive going. The Browns were starting to come back a little bit at this point. And Zach Koontz is a wing tight end off the left side next next to his fellow rookie Carter Warren at left tackle. The Jets call an inside zone run. And Zach Koontz, despite being a wing tight end, lined up on the line of scrimmage next to the left tackle with the Browns defensive end directly lined up over him head up. Koontz decides, well, I just don't feel like blocking anybody on this play. I'm going to go and get up to the linebacker. Carter Warren makes the same decision. Oh, okay. I'm uncovered as the left tackle. There's nobody in front of me. I'm going to get up to this linebacker. Koontz is going to kick out this defensive end. And that's how we're going to pick up these three yards for this first down. Well, two guys go to block one linebacker and leave one defensive end unblocked, and that's the defensive end that tackled Travis Dye for no gain. Fourth down. That a simple shotgun inside zone, like rep. This is not. Oh, it's the Jets' complicated Nathaniel Hackett, Aaron Rodgers offense. No, 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 sir. This is not that type of play call. This is a play call high school teams run. This is a play call that 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 anybody that's in a football program probably in in the United States and probably other countries too runs this sort of play. If you can't figure out as a tight end, as a wing alignment, and I'm covered and the left tackle is not, and there's any sort of doubt that you as the guy who are covered should be leaving this defensive end unblocked so you can get up to a linebacker unless you know for sure 
with the design of what play is called that your tackle next to you to your right is going to pick up this defensive end. What are you doing? What are you doing? Where is the football IQ? Where is the is the thought process? Where is the thought of what is my role on this particular play? What is my how do I fit into this puzzle? What is my job? That play, when I rewatched it this morning, it really, really bothered me. And I'm Koontz is an athletic freak, and I hope he can put it all together. But there's so, so much that he has to learn to where it's not like he's learning how to be a tight end, period, let alone an NFL tight end. And for a guy that played as much college football as he did and is now going to get into an NFL program, I mean, good luck. That's I'm sorry to end on on this sort of negative (laughs) note as I toss it back to you for to wrap up the offense here. But I mean, man, you're a covered tight end in a wing alignment. It's third and three and you're running a simple inside zone play. And your thought process is let me leave this defensive end unblocked so I can go get up to the linebacker that my left tackles three feet closer to. I, I got no words. But you know what? We kind of saw this coming because I remember us talking about Kuntz, uh, a good amount uh, in the the pre-draft process and how we're like, wow, he's very athletic. But you know what? He has no idea what he's doing. We, we saw that rawness back then, uh, and it's really only becoming more apparent now uh, that he does have a long way to go, uh, how it was really kind of a flyer on a guy that had elite traits or elite uh, athletic ability uh, and just seeing what can come of it. Uh, he's the definition of a project um, and not somebody we should be relying on. And I don't think any other team would look at him any other way. Uh, so I can't see another team uh, looking at him and being like, oh, wow, yeah, let's put him on our, on our active roster. So I think he's a guy that uh, we could definitely stash on our uh, practice squad and and let him develop and see what we have next year. Uh, so whether we only carry three tight ends, I don't know about that. Maybe uh, Yaboa just gets that last spot. I, I think that's very likely, um, quite honestly. I think the reason Jeremy Ruckert was not active last night, I saw a lot of people being really surprised that like, oh, he's going to be this huge part of the offense and, and he very well might have his time in the offense. I think he's going to have a role for sure. But I think they know that Conklin is their main receiver, not the best blocker, certainly had times where he really needed to be better last year and wasn't, but isn't completely and totally you know, useless as a blocker. Uzama's generally a good blocker. Again, times last year, he really wasn't. But for the most part, he can be. He's also got the size that they want as that main inline sort of blocker. And then after those two, the only guy that they have that can be that inline blocking tight end when they need somebody to actually go out and block, that's Rucker. And so if they lose him, they're screwed because then they have no depth behind Uzama to be the lead inline sort of tight end guy. And I think there's going to be times when the Jets want to run three tight end sets this year too. And Rucker's going to be that third tight end that comes in and fills his role. And they know, and I think last night definitely confirmed it for them again if they if somehow forgotten they can't rely on Koontz to be that guy right now. No, you cannot. You know what I was just thinking of? If uh, Beckton doesn't, you know, uh, make it as a starter, uh, as being a, a tight end on, on some, uh, some short yardage uh, situations. Yeah, I uh, said last week, make him a goal linebacker. Yeah, make him, a, make him a tight end. Make him a goal linebacker. You know, I, I, I'm definitely, like, feeling that for him if, if he doesn't, you know, reach that that feeling that we want to see uh, going into the season. Uh, but yeah, as far as tight end, um, yeah, 
Koontz, uh, maybe maybe next year, guy. Yeah, I, I hope so. Uh, I I hope he can develop. I hope time in the practice squad helps him and, and helps him grow because he's got a lot of talent. Uh, it's absolutely there. The talent, the athleticism is real, but the mental side of the game and the technique side is just it, it's got so much room to grow. It's really going to be. Don't expect anything for for a while. Definitely not this year. Um, moving on to the defense, this is where I think some of the real fun of this game uh, showed itself. Where I had probably the most fun going back and rewatching today. Um, Matt, I want to toss things to you first. Who was your your most impressive player that you saw out of this defense last night of the guys that did play? Um, let's see. Uh, I was really impressed with uh, the defensive end. I'm. I'm gonna massacre his name now. Uh, Od- Odinjimbo. Uh, he was all over the place. He was really. Uh, a, a, he was very confident in his game. He was very strong. Uh, he was almost unblockable. I've seen him. He was blowing up plays left and right. Uh, I, I. I don't know if he's gonna make it on this team with the, the amount of depth we have at edge, uh, which it just speaks to that depth. Uh, knowing that, hey, this guy is here uh, lying in the wing, uh, but it, and, and he's capable of this too. Oh wow, they've got some some guys. Um, so he impressed me the most. Uh, but the guy I really want to talk about is Sherwood, uh, because he had the Achilles injury his uh, his rookie year, uh, second year he didn't really get a, a lot of uh, action. Plus, as we saw with uh, with Lawson. Uh, those Achilles injuries, you know, take more than one year to really get all the way back. Uh, and then this year, you know, we didn't go get Quan. We kind of saw the coaching staff being like, no, no, we had confidence in Sherwood being this guy the entire time. Uh, and now we get to see him with a full offseason with his legs fully back. Uh, and he impressed. Uh, he was all over the field. Uh, he even caused the that that uh, fumble. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's hitting hard. Uh, I remember the difference between his rookie year and the in his second year was the the power behind his hit, uh, and it only looks like he's improved in that area. Um, I think I only saw him playing the Mike position uh, last night. I, I'm not sure if I saw him. Uh, I only saw him at Mike as well. As well. And w- w- I know we've talked about before how they're kind of grooming him to be CJ's replacement. Uh, but, you know, this year, if he's going to be that third back, he is not going to be playing the Mike. So I was a little uh, um, curious about that, about why he was mostly playing Mike instead of the position he would actually be playing. Um, but I, maybe that will uh, make itself clear in in, in due time. Um but yeah, I, I I love seeing him out there and kind of you know showing everybody like, hey, uh, I'm somebody that you need to be watching. I'm somebody that you shouldn't have to be looking elsewhere to to fill a spot when you have me. Uh, and he's definitely putting his name on the map now. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was there was a lot a lot to like uh, out of this defense. I want to start on the defensive line. Um, and I don't know how really I should feel about this because I, I want to point something out, Matt. Um, and I don't want this to turn into a Browns episode. Uh, I want to be very clear <laughs> about that. But all, quite literally, all of the good reps that we saw 
from the Jets defensive ends last night came going against the Browns backup left tackle. tackle. Yep. <laughs> and I'm and I'm telling you, I've been trying for the last five minutes while you've been talking to find this guy's name because I know he's number 60. He's not on their roster. He, he's not on their website. I can't find him anywhere. So it must be a a lower body practice squad backup sort of guy. God bless you, number 60 on the Cleveland Browns. You got your lunch eaten last night by anybody that the Jets lined up on him. Uh, if Fady uh, Adenabo, I believe, is yeah. is how you pronounce it, I think. Probably not even close, but that's what we're going to go with. Number 92, he had a couple of uh, a great little skip swipe moves that left him grasping at air, left 60 completely grasping at air. Will McDonald got him with the spin move that, that almost led to a sack on DTR. Bryce Huff got him uh, with an outside in, was able to push him back, open up the lane back inside, get the sack on uh, Callan Mond earlier in the game. And then when anybody went against DeWan Jones, it was like they did nothing. It, Jermaine was the only one to get close. And, and he just had uh, a tip pass. <laughs> and, right, and, he, and, he, and all he got was a tip. And, and he was the only one to even get close, and all he got was a tip. So I'm, I'm really trying to pump the brakes on what we saw from this defensive line and their backups last night. Because I think 60 on Cleveland is a lot to do with why they were so good and not the fact that they were just so good. I think 60 is not an NFL player, and I think he proved that last night. And it, if anyone can tell me who he is, I'd love to know. Uh, because I'm, I'm trying to find out who this guy was that, that just continually get, kept getting completely and totally decimated by the Jets' defensive ends. But when they went on the right side, Dewan Jones shut him down. And this is all I'm going to say. Like I said, I don't want to make this a Browns episode. Dewan Jones was the best tackle on the field last night for either team. Oh, absolutely. And it wasn't even close. It was not even close. Um, there's still some things that he needs to get better on. I'm, I'm still not ever going to be the best fit in a wide zone scheme, getting out in space, getting on the move. Definitely not his strong suit. Browns had a pitch play to the right where he was the lead blocker and just could not get out in time to meet the safety and the safety was able to get in the backfield and make a tackle for loss. That's never going to be his strength. But down blocking people, not a problem. Rushing people around the corner, even if he gets a late jump, he's so big and long, he can just push them up the arc. They're not going to get close anyway. I, I mean, there were there were plays where he's run blocking and it looks like he's just giving a little bit of shoves to defensive ends, and they're stumbling backwards. I mean, it, this the dude is a specimen. He's a freak. We said it all spring. The fact that he's going to Bill Callahan is so unfair for the rest of the NFL, and I think he's going to be a really, really good player. Um, moving along past that, Jamie and Sherwood, like you were saying, why was he playing Mike? I think he's their backup Mike. And so I think that's it's as simple as CJ Mosley wasn't playing, so Sherwood's next on the depth chart. And that he's their their backup Mike and their starting Sam. And that if there were to be something happened to Mosley, that Sherwood would probably move over and take that Mike job, and then somebody else would come in and fill in for him at Sam if and when the time comes for that. And based on what I saw last night, I want it to be Shaz Surratt. Mm. Let alone the interception that he had, which was Gorgeous zone coverage. Absolutely gorgeous zone coverage. Reads Kellen Mond's eyes, sees where he's dropping, and then doesn't just go off the eyes so he doesn't get fooled. He, Surratt does the, the little bit of a vet move that I always look for linebackers and pass coverage. UK, you're in zone. You're over the middle. You're in your hook. You're reading the quarterback's eyes. You see that he's sticking to the middle of the field. Got it. Now go find the route. Go see where the receiver actually is. And you see him peek to his right. He peeks behind him. He sees the dig route coming behind him. 
He's able to pick it up, gets his eyes back to Mond. That's where his eyes went. He's tracking. Okay. One more peek back to the left this time. Now I see the dig route coming behind me and going over. Cool. Flowing with it. Pick the ball off. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. He had a couple of really good reps in run defense too, where he read the right gap and he came downhill and he's meeting the back in the hole and that's it. No game. Shut it down. Game over. I really was impressed with his speed. I really hope he can continue to grow. A guy that we both liked a lot coming in uh, out of the draft from North Carolina. So I'm I'm excited to see him continue to grow. Um, I'm excited to see if he can find a role for himself and maybe get onto this 53 as a backup. Because after Chess Rat, Matt, and I, and I want to get your opinion here too, none of the other linebackers look good at all. Well, I don't say at all. I, I like Barnes' uh, athletic ability and he's very fast you can see his athletic build and why they draft him and uh but at the same time you can also see how far he needs to go uh before you know he's you know worthy of a of a of a spot on this roster um so i i i i see the 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 making of a a classic sala project with them uh and surat yeah i i really like surat uh he's also had some injury issues in the past, uh, which I feel like has hindered his ability to really shine. Uh, I think he's even injured right now. So that's a concern um, that, you know, if, if he can't stay healthy, then, you, you know, the old saying, the, the, uh, with the availability. So it, it's something that should be, should be looked at. So, but at the same time, if we don't have anything else outside of uh, uh, Quincy, CJ and Sherwood, then yeah, I I would absolutely look at Sarat as the next guy, uh, unless they're looking outside uh, for a, a free agent uh, or after cut, uh, then uh, then all right, go that route. Uh, but if we're looking for an internal internal solution, then yeah, I would absolutely be looking at Sarat, um, and then maybe Barnes behind him. But I don't I don't know how many. Uh, linebackers they, they plan on, on carrying especially with uh, the amount of talent they have along the defensive line uh so i feel like that's where the stockpiling is really gonna take place so linebackers kind of a a wait and see uh, i i think we we know who the top three are uh and it's really just got to take shape uh with the depth behind them uh but you know what? i think we'll be in better shape than we were last year i have a little bit more confidence uh than than, than then um and I think they do as well, because if they didn't, I think they would have been all over Quan and bringing him back. Uh, but they weren't. So they obviously see something uh, in the guys they have and are confident going forward with them. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree. Uh, I, I really think that that clearly the team must be happy They're, They they love Quincy. They love the, you know, the time he spent in the system. They loved him coming out. You know, CJ is always going to be loved in that locker room and by that team with his leadership and his mentality. Sherwood coming up the wings nicely. There's there's some faith for this group, but it's definitely a bit still of a, a work in progress to be completely and totally ironed out. I got two more guys I want to talk about on defense. One that's very highly regarded and well-known, and one that's very w- underrated, not very well-known at all. Let's start with the big name. Will McDonald, first-round pick, 15th <laughs> overall. Good grief, he looked tiny on the field. That was my first reaction. As soon as I, I, I saw they like had the, the close-up of him, Like you saw him from the waist up on the field. You didn't see any other players. It was just the the undercut of him in his jersey. And then it cuts to the wide angle of him getting into his stance. And I went, oh, my goodness, he's light. 
it's it's very very noticeable how how skinny and wiry and lengthy he is. That said, he didn't play like it. That that said, had no problems holding his own. He wasn't getting thrown around or tossed around. He was getting his hands dirty. He had a play on a third down where he gets a stop for a third and short to lead to a fourth and inches. Uh, Browns converted with a QB sneak on the next play, but still gets up on the tight end, gets his hands inside, disengages, redirects, finds the ball, uh, finds the ball carrier, and is able to get off and make the tackle and get in the way and stop the guy just short. We saw the spin move like we talked about, the set him up to the outside, wait until you close the ground and really sell that outside move, and then in a flash, just step on that outside foot and spin, use your arms to pin, get to the inside. DTR barely gets the ball off would have been a sack otherwise his first snap he gets unblocked off the end on a play action on a boot to kellen mon comes screaming downhill at his face nearly gets a sack i mean the athleticism is 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 for real it's absolutely completely and totally for real and i cannot wait to see what will mcdonald looks like next year because all the stuff we're hearing about jermaine right now about how he transformed his body he put in the work he got bigger he got stronger you know he got he got more physically impressive faster all of that i think that's what we're going to hear out of will mcdonald next year and and that we're just seeing this kid's still a puppy he's still growing into his body and and he's still learning how to what to do with all of this freakish athleticism that he has and and i'm really excited to see him grow um last guy matt somebody i haven't heard anybody mention but someone i'm definitely going to have an eye on going into this next game because the jets really needs some more depth on that interior of that defensive line. 97 Isaiah Mack had a couple of really, really nice plays in the run game that that stood out to me. He had a play where the Browns were running a, a buck sweep to the right. So they were pulling their both their guards and they had Dewan Jones at right tackle. He's trying to pin Mack. Mack was lined up at three tech. He's trying to pin Mack to the inside on like a down block, like power then have the other the guards come around on the sweep and lead to the outside. And Mac shot the gap so fast that Dewan literally went to push him, and it was like he was pushing his back and he couldn't even get a good angle. And Mac beat the guard to the running back. So the left guard is pulling, and Isaiah Mac is at three-tech to the right of the center, and he shoots this gap. Dewan Jones is left grasping at air with all of his length. And Isaiah Mack runs clean into the guard and takes away his pathway to continue lead blocking, forces the back to cut outside, leads to a loss of three. And didn't, not going to show up on the stat sheet at all. Never going to get credit for it. If you, were, if you didn't specifically pay attention and know how that play works and how it's designed to hit, you, know, you would have completely missed it and said, oh, great play by the linebacker getting in the backfield. No, Isaiah Mack made that play. He had another play uh, on an inside zone where he was taking on a double team, was able to split the double team, take away the lane for the running back again, force the back to go to the outside. That's one of those plays where Surratt came in, closed downhill, made a tackle for no gain. I, I was, it, it jumped out to me a couple of times. I wouldn't say I was sitting here blown away, amazingly impressed in that I watched every single snap of Isaiah Mack and, oh my goodness, this guy's going to be great preseason week one against the Browns' third stringers. No. But but the explosiveness that this scheme likes, I saw that and I saw the ability to to penetrate in the run game and create havoc and take away plays ability to work. And that if you are you, you can't pull a guard, you, you can't have your left guard pull from the, the left side and come all the way around past the right tackle and lead up front on the right side. If you got a three tech who's in the backfield so fast, it takes away their path. So I'm I'm excited to see him moving forward because the flashes I saw were really encouraging. 
Uh, I'm going to say right now, I had no idea who he was, and I didn't see any of these plays. Uh, so when I go back and rewatch this, I'm going to have to keep an eye out and uh, an eye out going forward as well. Uh, as far as, you know, the depth inside, I was hoping to see Clemens play a little bit more inside in the preseason. Hopefully uh, we see a little bit more of him uh, in there. I think he played mostly defensive end last night. Um, so, he got uh, inside a couple of times, but it was mainly as a rusher on third down. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't much more outside of that. And it wasn't that often. He still had a couple of third down reps at edge, too. So I agree with you. I'd like to see a bit more of him picking on some guards and using that that speed and his length and power and, and walking some packet, pockets back. But I mean, if he can do that, the tackles, too, you know, <laughs> however, it's going to work. It's going to work. I think Clemens is going to be he was he was knocking people on their butts last night for a little bit like there was a couple of reps where it's just the strength that he has is is downright elite yeah he puts people on skate very easily and almost yeah. effortlessly um he, i don't know if he he was doing this last year so i can't even say he got stronger but uh if he could have gotten stronger uh he, he has and he's always looked very impressive and uh i can't wait to see how he develops even more uh, going into his second year, I think things are going to click a little bit more, and I, I think he's going to finish a lot more. Um, I, I'm going to be interested to see how they use him going forward. Uh, it, it does look like the split will probably be more in favor of edge than inside, uh, but you know, it, it doesn't hurt to have that kind of weapon. Uh, I, I know we still have Franklin Myers as well, uh, who does kind of the same thing. Uh, so I think maybe he's going to be Franklin Myers' uh, probably main backup uh, and re- really kind of uh, show his stuff inside on, on third downs, like like you uh, we saw last night. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Uh, I'm excited to see more. Um, last bit I want to cover before we wrap this one up. Uh, a unit that I think, quite honestly, had the best night of the of any on the team, the special teams special unit. Teams, yep. <laughs> yeah, this special teams unit was fantastic. Greg Zerline, three for three on field goals, one, one from 54, one from 53, one from mid-40s, I believe was the last one. Perfect on all three of them. Thomas Morstead, the going from Braden Mann to Thomas Morstead is like the is, is a bigger upgrade than going from Zach Wilson to Aaron Rodgers. Like it that's incredible uh, in terms of talent and, and the difference in field position and, and how this team is set to play. And even the return game ha- had a great night. Xavier Gibson had a little bit of a rough start, start the night on a punt, muffed the punt, rough. rolled yeah. out of bounds, you know, didn't lose possession, but you'd like to see him hold on to it, made up for it later in the game with a big kick return that I think was 30 or 40 yards. We saw Alex Erickson, another reserve receiver, bust off a big kick return in the fourth quarter to set up some, what we thought was at the time, Strevler incoming magic. Uh, you know, there was there was a huge, huge night from the special teams unit where at really outside of that muff to start the night, I thought they were great. They're gunners. We saw Jason Bramley and Malik Taylor uh, play as gunners. Malik Taylor had a great tackle as a gunner at the end of the game. And I thought this was really cool. Right after he makes that tackle, the camera cuts to Aaron Rodgers and Rodgers is celebrating harder than I saw him celebrate anything else in the night, because that's a guy that he knows from Green Bay. That was an under an undrafted player that was coming up the wings that must have some amount of connection with if the Jets felt the need to bring him on and have another guy that Rogers is familiar with and knowing that special teams are how these guys make their money. These are how these guys stick in the league. This is how they get their opportunity. Seeing 
a guy like Malik Taylor make a big catch down the sideline earlier in the game and then come back later in the game as a punt gunner and go and make a great tackle right you know as soon as the returner caught the ball there's Malik Taylor to put him in the ground you know a, a really really good rep from the special teams unit really excited to see how he goes I thought that was cool that Rogers was happy for one of his guys too Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. How often do we go into a season? Uh, actually, here's a better question. When was the last time we did go into a season feeling confident about our special team from the punter to the kicker to the return man? When, uh, when, when was the last time Nick Folk was on the Jets? <laughs> was that 2009, 2010? Yeah, some, something like that. I, I, I don't re- remember very well. But it, it, yeah, it's been a very long time since we kind of had... Um, you know, that kind of confidence going into the season with our special teams. Uh, that plus an actual quarterback and a top five defense uh, and all these all this young talent. Uh, the, the, there's so much hope and excitement about this team. Um, I can't wait to see uh, some starters hopefully next week. Yeah, yeah. Next week is going to be big joint practice with the Carolina Panthers uh, leading up the start of next week ahead of this preseason game. Going to be a a heck of a time in those joint practices. Those are really uh, for a lot of NFL teams. And I know the Jets are the same way. That is their preseason. That's when they make a lot of their decisions. That's when they're they're really getting ready for the season starters on starters. They're they're testing some stuff in their offense that they are wouldn't show in a normal preseason game. You know, there's there's a lot of competition that goes on in those joint practices. And I think it's going to be fun to see. I'm really curious to see uh, more so from the Jets defense perspective of you're this great top five defense and you have all this talent and you've been going against a a a veteran to end all veterans of a quarterback and Aaron Rodgers all summer in training camp. What are they going to do to Bryce Young, the rookie? How's that going to look? How's Bryce Young going to respond against their defense? Are they going to dominate? Is Bryce Young going to tear them up? You know, how's this defense going to look against a completely different sort of quarterback? I'm excited to see how this offensive line handles an underrated Panthers defensive line that has a lot of talent on it that I think could make for some some really fun battles. I'm excited to see what happens. Continue this preseason along. Going to be a really, really fun game to watch. I'm excited. I am as well. Uh, yeah, uh, see some guys that we haven't seen yet. Uh, really get a feel for what the starting offense uh, can look like, even if it's only a quarter or however long they're going to be out there. Uh, it's going to be something. Uh, yeah, can't wait. Yeah, Zach Wilson's first trip to Charlotte since his rookie debut. Uh, same for uh, uh, say Becton. Last time he played and- a, a, a game. At a NFL the last stadium. time Beckton played a game at an NFL stadium. Yeah, the same stadium. That's true as well. Uh, I'm slightly disappointed. I was supposed to go to these joint practices and then work schedules got in the way and made it so I couldn't go anymore. So hopefully nothing too crazy fun happens in, uh, in Spartanburg, South Carolina over the next few weeks. From previous <laughs> experience living in the area, I can say normally it's a pretty safe bet that it won't. But, you know, <laughs> things are a little different with the Panthers and Jets in town. Appreciate everybody for stopping by and tuning in. Make sure you're following the show at OKD Podcast. You can also find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17. Matt, let the people know where they can find you. Let's get on out of here. Uh, Matt, you can find me at Zazzy Jeff. Appreciate you guys for stopping by and tuning in one more time. Keep it rocking right here with us as we continue through this preseason. Like we said, Jets, Panthers, joint practice beforehand. Going to be a lot of fun. Camp highlights on Twitter to to obsess over. Going to be a fun preseason game to obsess over. Can't wait for the overreactions, hot takes, and all the fun that comes before this regular season gets going. Thank you guys one more time for stopping by, and we'll be back real, real soon. Bye-bye.